Hey everyone, before this podcast begins, we want to tell you about some other arts-related podcasts you're going to love. They are The Conduit Music Podcast, Artsville, Gringo and the Man, Art World Horror Stories, and Not Real Art. On these action-packed podcasts, you'll hear experts talk about creativity, design, the music biz, the art world, visual art, American craft, Chicano art, street art, graffiti, and even stand-up comedy. So be sure to find and follow these great arts podcasts today. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Warning, the Not Real Art Podcast is intended for creative audiences only. The Not Real Art Podcast celebrates creativity and creative culture worldwide. It contains material that is fresh, fun and inspiring and is not suitable for boring old art snobs. Now, let's get started and enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations, my fellow artists. Welcome to Not Real Art, the podcast that celebrates the culture of creativity. I'm your boy, Sourdough. And Man One here, chilling. Man One in the house. Yo, yo. How are you, man? Doing great. Doing great. Excellent. Excellent. It's good to see you. I know. I know. It's (laughs) It's good uh, to be seen. It's good to be seen. Excellent. (laughs) Excellent. I was sort of looking forward to sitting down today mm-hmm. because we have kind of a cool show for our listeners, a little some, something different. Right. A couple of months ago, as you know, we were doing a little video production project and uh, we were filming over at Art Share LA. Yeah. And the whole purpose of the project was to sit down with our grant winners. For those listeners who may not know, you know, we have an annual grant. Uh, not real art, the grant. And last year we awarded $12,000 to 12 artists. So it's $1,000 an artist. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we couldn't give them $12,000 each. Yeah. <laughs> but we gave. We're working on that. Well, we're working on that. We gave them each a thousand bucks, which they were very much appreciative. Of. Yeah, it was awesome. But we did a fun little video project where we, you know, set up a stage and like a talk show kind of like format, whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> and so. We did a couple of recordings. We had a few artists on the first one and a few artists on the second one. But I thought it'd be fun to kind of release the audio as yeah. a podcast so people could listen to it. I mean, we'll roll out the videos later. Sure. But on this episode, I thought we would roll out the audio on the first production shoot. Right. Which, you know, I did with our partner, Cheyenne Saunter, who's the executive director over at Art Chair. Yeah, we love Cheyenne. Shout out Cheyenne. And yep. Cheyenne and I sat down with four of our winners. Right. We that's had 12 right. winners. But on this particular recording, we had four of our winners sit down with us. So the first artist was Rachel O'Donnell, just a talented, vibrant, charismatic artist. Beth Abarovich, uh, another wonderful human being who does a lot of cool stuff with fabrics and sewing and, you know, fashion-oriented kinds of artworks. Edmund Arvalo, who is Filipino, wonderful, humble, quiet, talented artist who was one of our winners. And Tony Louis from Haiti, who does a lot of really cool stuff. He's way into comic books and a lot of comic art as well. But each of these artists sat down 
for this uh, interview. And you were there that day when we were filming, right? Oh, yeah. I was there. Yeah. yeah. What'd you think? It was great. Good it fun? Was, uh, yeah. It was like, yeah, it was kind of like being on the set of a little talk show. Yeah, right? Yeah. It was, it was uh, you know. Well, we just didn't have the band. We needed the. Yeah. Yeah. We... <laughs> <laughs> Doc Severinsen, for those people who actually remember who the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically, uh, you know, what's his name? Uh, Questlove. Questlove. Thank you. Yes. That's who we want. Doc Severinsen Shout is, out the, Quest. is the old school version of Questlove. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. So, I just thought, you know, what we'd do is we'd set this up and, you know, we'll let our listeners hear these interviews and, you know, sort of segue from this intro into the actual, you know, interview of those amazing four artists with me and Cheyenne. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, right. You want to hear that shit? Let's do it. You want to hear it? I haven't heard it, so I want to hear it. (laughs) Wait, you weren't listening? (laughs) No. Just just like you, man. I was just watching. Yeah. Well, you're probably texting and answering all of your like, you know, <laughs> emails and shit that blows up your phone all the time, you know. Yeah, that's what I was doing. That's what you're doing. <laughs> well, anyway, without further ado, yeah, let's uh, turn this over to our grant winners, these wonderful, talented, emerging, independent young artists who we love to support and help them tell their stories and promote their work. So, without further ado, everybody, welcome our winners, Rachel, Beth, Edmund, and Tony. You guys doing great good yeah good. are we ready to talk art and have some fun always sure. <laughs> you guys have been amazing today i know we're running a little late on the production and you guys have been so patient and nice i mean i don't deserve that <laughs> <laughs> well i want to thank you guys for coming today this is as we were saying kind of a milestone day for not real art we've never filmed our show before so i hope this is my good side because um you know who knows it's too late now but i'm just so happy to have you guys here i'm honored cheyenne saunter from the art share la the executive director we're here in your amazing event space thank you for letting us move in today thrilled to have you guys here we're actually installing the show for you guys behind this door right here so it's perfect time well, you're with your busy schedule. Like, I can't even believe that, you know, you were able to sit down with us. And I'm so grateful for that. Bless you. <laughs> Drink some water. We have water. The not real art cup there. Is it a not real water? It's not real water. That's, right. That's exactly right. Well, I want to thank you guys for coming. And I want to just take some time here. Rachel O'Donnell. Yes. Thank you so much. Beth Abarovich. Very good. Edmund Avaralo. Oh, I knew I would get it wrong. (laughs) And Tony Louis. Yes. All right. Let's jump into this. So I'm so happy to have you guys here as our inaugural class of grant winners. This year at Not Real Art, we thought that how can we further prove our values and our ethos of helping to celebrate and elevate artists and helping to empower the uh, invaluable work that artists do in terms of their contributions to human culture. And so Cheyenne and I teamed up to launch the grant. And what a better organization to do it with. Our, Our chair, chair LA has been around. We're in, literally in the house. Literally in the presence of the creative gods right here. <laughs> um, 
But we've been supporting emerging artists for about six or seven years. Yeah. We hang and support about 200 artists every year. So when Scott came to me and said, I want to make an impact on some of the artists that you're working with, it just couldn't have been a better fit. Yeah, for sure, so for sure. For oh, thank well, you thank you for the partnership. And it was fast, right? Like we were getting up and run, running fast and, and we wanted to announce winners at the conference. And so I'm guessing you guys read about it on the ArtShare website, no? Mm -hmm. Yeah, or I think Instagram, there might have been, yeah. Okay, yeah. right, right. Now, how many grants do you guys apply for on an annual basis, you think, on average, oh. as artists? <laughs> that was my first time. Yeah, I yeah. think I'm, I'm yeah. mine, too. Okay. Yeah. I've applied for quite a few. <laughs> yeah, okay, and so what's that like? Is it, I mean, so you just, are there ones that you apply for every year? Are there new ones? Like, what is that journey like? It kind of depends. I mean, I've had a few where it's like, you know, they give out a grant yearly or quarterly or what have you, right. and so you apply to those and, you know, Sometimes it's grant specific, like it's like this is one project I really want to do, mm -hmm. or it's more about, you know, just like more money to create art or even higher education, whatever it is. But yeah, it's funny because this goes into like Art Share LA. I have applied to so many grants that when I first like got the email about the Art Share Not Real Art grant, mm -hmm. I was like, this is spam. <laughs> <laughs> this couldn't be real. With a name like Not Real Art, it can't be real. <laughs> but, but remember applying to it as like, I applied a lot of these and I don't hear back. Why am I hearing back? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's when you stop worrying about things that things click and work out. And I think like this, for me, this grant's really a proof of that. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, it's when I got there, I, I knew that I won a grant. Like the same day I wasn't aware. Like, when they called me, uh, yeah, when they called me in the stage, I was like, how do they know my name? And then they called me twice, and I was like, oh, why? Okay, so it's me. You thought it was Conan O'Brien pulling it on the green That would be great. Well, Evan, how did you feel when you got the news? It's funny because I applied to many grants, and then for this grant, it was kind of like, in a sense, last minute. I had it in my calendar to apply, and then I just totally forgot about it, then I applied, and I was kind of like, in a sense, it worked out because I had to take initiative really fast. Yes. So I just got the images that I liked, and then just applied, and then I get a reply later on, I'm like, no, this can't be it. Like, no. <laughs> but how much, how much of that is it where, if you don't have so much time to think about it and overthink about it and, yeah. and think to where yeah. you've paralyzed yourself to not respond, right. is it better just to be like, I have to do this by four yeah. or yeah. I'm out? Well, and me personally, I feel like it's better to, it's kind of like when you're getting to that point to the end. I mean, preparation is always key. So like I'm always preparing myself and working on my art. But I feel like when it's those occasions, when it's kind of like you have to take that step, I feel like that one works out really well, like in everything that I kind of do in a sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when I, you said out, and then I read the parameters of the, you know, and I thought, that's not me. You know, so many more people need support maybe than I do. And then they said, hey, why is nobody come get out here and apply to this grant? Right? There was that. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to apply and I'm going to be completely honest and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. Shine, mm -hmm. imagine that, an artist with a critical voice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just, I, I mean, I feel like ArtShare and Not Real Art, we try to remove so many boundaries and barriers so that artists can extend their voice and have a platform to share their work. And I still hear stories where artists are paralyzed by fear or paralyzed by overthought mm -hmm. to not put themselves out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, bless your hearts, you guys are creating 
your inner voice. You're sharing your inner voice onto a canvas or whatever, however you display your creativity. And then you go one step further and you send it to us to critically, you know, judge you or examine you. Like, I get that. Fear or overthinking or, right. you know, whatever yeah. process you're going it's through. It's insecurity, right? And I'm one of the most insecure people. I know people don't think, they think, oh, sure. you know, you, you, no, no, actually, there are all those voices, right? Because it's junior high school stuff. It's yeah, baggage yeah. from the playground, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. And so, well, when it comes to grants and finding grants, are there places that artists go? I mean, is there, are there websites? Like, how do you guys find the grants, typically, that you look for? Well, there's a, a California, you know, Artist Council, mm -hmm. Art Council, that has yeah. some grants on there yes. or opportunities that I yes. always look at. Right. I'm trying to think of other venues, but that for sure is always something I always kind of. So believe. I mean, our grant was very modest. It was a you know twelve thousand dollar grant. We awarded a thousand dollars to twelve artists, four of yeah. them <laughs> sitting here. How did you spend the money? Did we go to Vegas? What did we do? <laughs> I wish. Like, oh my god, can you imagine? I spent my art grant on strippers. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I did expect flowers, guys. I mean, honestly, so much of art I think that people don't really think about is making art is kind of expensive. Yes. And as someone who uses like oil sticks and canvas, like this little oil stick is twenty dollars. Mm -hmm. So it's like when you're using multiple, so it really just with supplies and buying things because I think. Sometimes for me, it's not a question of, I don't have ideas. It's like, I have so many ideas that I, it's hard for me to be able to actually create them and like, you know, work at the scale I'd like to. So things like this really help you to be creative and not only to be creative, but kind of do what you want with the money. Because I think sometimes with art grants, it's like, oh, this is an art grant for watercolor artists. You may use this towards watercolor or like, or they expect you to kind of, you know, especially more formal grants, they want you to receipt everything especially if it's kind of like a state grant or something, you know, more government related. Yeah. So you have to turn a receipt. So this really kind of, you know, if you want like three of those like yellow ochre oil pastels, you grab those, which is like really nice and freeing for, you know, making artwork. Right, right, right. The, the grant for me, like when I got there, I was literally broke. Like I called a friend and I was like, Nicole, can you please order some food for me? Because I don't have the money yet, but I'm sure I'm going to give it to you back. <laughs> and then I got there with no money and I got out with money. <laughs> so I was like, wow. It's a good day. Yeah, yeah. For sure. That's yeah. a beautiful story. That yeah. is serendipity. Yeah, yeah, because traveling from Haiti and coming here, you know, I didn't plan to stay all that long. Right. So um, it was great. That's beautiful. Edmund, how did we spend the money? Uh, for me, it went to Bills and my kids. Right on. <laughs> yeah. You better feed those kids, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How old are your kids? My son, he's five. Okay. And then uh, my youngest son, he's six months. Wow, brand yeah. new. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. man, you so look too well rested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's very calm. <laughs> That's amazing. What yeah. are their names? Edmund Jr. and uh, the other one is Elijah, the youngest. Elijah. Do you have two little artists? Is, uh, is What are we dealing with? Edmund Jr., yeah, he, yeah. Every time I'm painting in the yard, he'll come out and be, hey, Dad, I want to paint with you. Can I paint with you? I'll awesome. set him up a canvas and we'll sit there together and work. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's okay. beautiful. Wow. Beth? I definitely supplies. I think I spent a lot on resin because it's very yeah. expensive. Yeah. But, you know, it actually kind of like, uh, it gives you time, I guess. Mm -hmm. You know, like I do some side things that I, you know, feel like I have to do to kind of justify the supplies or the 
So it kind of gives you that luxury of saying, you know what, uh, my time's more important than that. I don't yeah. want to do that. I think I'll just focus right. on this. Right. So you guys are all full-time artists. I mean, there is no side hustle. No, mm -hmm. yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Right. So, well, yeah. Right. Yeah, well, I was saying, actually, because I kind of was a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> so when you're a mom, it's like I'm doing everything. Like sure. I'm cleaning the house, I'm yeah. feeding the kids, the mm -hmm. dog. The dog would not serve. If I wasn't there, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I was there for 10 days, I brought the dog with me. I mean, because I just didn't trust anybody there, yeah. you know? So, you know, I do things that I don't want to pay people to do because that's like kind of like my money. Yes, yes. So, yeah, I thought the grant was amazing. And actually mm -hmm. gave me, like with my other artist friends, it gave me some cachet. Nice. You know, they were really, yeah. and the, some of them are very amazing artists, I think, but they're like really impressed, so. Yeah, it was, it's awesome. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So why do, and this is just a question, bigger question for the group, because I mean, part of the value of having a grant is it sort of empowers your careers and mm -hmm. artists notoriously, you know, they're challenged. You know, it's tough out there as a small business. 90% of small businesses fail. And an artist is a small business, right? So what are some of the challenges that you guys face as a small business? in terms of the struggle to monetize your art and to sell through your inventory and those kinds of things? Well, the art I make is totally, I mean, the art, yeah. art I make is yes. totally uncommercial. You know, yeah. I know there's absolutely no real outlet for that. Right. You know, so it just allows, like, I took some printmaking classes mm -hmm. and I realized that that's a nice, like, more commercial outlet that sure. feeds right into my sculptural process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I don't have to answer your question, but that's, yeah, where, no, I'm, just, that's yeah. where I'm trying to bridge those things sure. And, sure. and really trying to be more practical because mm -hmm. I think I'm inherently, when it comes to art, impractical. Right. So I'm trying to, try <laughs> to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think another big thing is, you know, you're lucky enough to get these jobs, which is great, and then, you know, freelancers burden is like trying to get people to pay you. That's a right. huge thing because I've had parts, you know, where it's like, you know, ostensibly I have $5,000 coming to me. However, you know, it's difficult getting people to pay you. And so kind of learning to do the business side of things, which, you know, we're all kind of creative. So that's a learning process and learning to, you know, you need to invoice people and kind of keep on track of those things. And, you know, kind of those things which you would think would be part of an accounting part of a small sure. business. Sure. You kind of have to take that on. And, you know, it's a lot of, I think, a lot of art, I think people think, oh, I'm just painting all day and having fun. And there's a lot of upkeep in business. You know, you need to be, you know, photoshopping your images so that they look great. You know, everything's photographed well. You need to be responding to emails and then filling out forms, you know, make sure you have all the sizes of things listed. So when people ask, you have all that information. It's just a lot of business upkeep. And I think, you know, I said the other day, you know, applying to grants, I was like, you know, I never thought I'd be writing this much as an artist. Yes. Mm -hmm. So things like that, you have to keep all of those skills on top of your creativity, like at your fingertips. So in terms of organizing your schedule and your time, right, because you need to be making art, right? right. You need to be handling the accounting and right. the social media marketing and all of these things. Mm -hmm. How do you guys go about scheduling your day and your week in terms of making sure that right. all of that business is getting handled and, and, and you're making art? Yeah, and another point you haven't mentioned is going and seeing art because that's like a mm -hmm. you know a crucial thing that you know going to openings mm -hmm. you know going and seeing art all that stuff is it like another added layer 
you know, yes. on top of it. Well, on that, I mean, in business parlance, they'd probably call that networking, but we'll yeah. also, totally. what you're talking about is research, right? right? And right. it's inspiration. You're yep. looking for mm -hmm. inspiration, you right. know, you're going and seeing what's out there. Right, but and finding then people of the, like mind mm -hmm. yeah. that might be as interested in your, right. you know, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a, actually a good segue, Edmund, into a question that I had for you guys as well in terms of, you know, being an artist is oftentimes a really lonely kind of profession, right? Because you're in your studio making work. How do you find community, Edmund, as a working artist? I mean, where do you find your colleagues and how do you go about getting out into the world and finding that inspiration? Well, for me, I feel like traveling helps a lot in inspiring my art mm -hmm. so kind of like this past couple weeks I went to Hawaii and then I went to Yosemite and I've been having this like urge to paint landscapes so like I feel like I don't know the way I I guess it's all about being free I guess in a sense mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah that answers so when it comes to organizing your time are you pretty rigorous with your schedule or no you sort of like no each day is its own is revealing itself to me and good question when it comes to the business side of things like for me I feel like having that organization and like when I have to post or when I have to create ads or stuff like that in order to promote myself I feel like that side of me has to have that direction has to have like I have like a whiteboard and I write down I have to do this this and this but at the same time when it comes to art it's kind of more free to me like I just let my hand go mm -hmm. and like mm -hmm. in regards to like getting inspiration as well like I, I just kind of just go on journeys and mm -hmm. I have to mm -hmm. see this thing and feel this in order to be inspired to work on something I guess. so as an artist do you feel a need to fellowship with other artists or do you feel like no you know I'm good I guess for me, because in a sense, I grew up like as an like an introvert, so mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. it's kind of hard for me to be out there and like. But I know it's a crucial part of becoming successful in the art business. Like you have to have these relationships and you have to be outgoing and meeting people. And I kind of struggle with that in a sense sure. sometimes. Yeah, sounds like an artist to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've had these conversations before, and you know, I know some artists say, you know, I, but I'm not, you know, like I'm not a social person. Like I don't want to like deal with these strangers or whatever. And I'm like, it's totally okay to be antisocial. In fact, you know, like kind of feels pretty natural and normal. But like, you know, just don't don't hesitate. Or don't flinch when somebody asks you about your work. You know, mm -hmm. be bold, tell your stories, you know? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if you're not tooting your own horn, right, who right. else is, right? <laughs> Tony, so in Haiti, like, how are you finding community uh, as an artist in Haiti? I'm an introvert too, but I'm a people guy too. And I love working with kids. I do a lot of workshop with orphans um, through NGOs, which is good that I also do illustrations. And I always try to partner with an NGO to do like a awareness messages um, that they want to promote. The community I find, it's mostly um, with people that I work with or I always go to the, in the ghettos and talk with them, with the kids and whoever is there because in Haiti they really like artists. So I try to inspire them however I can. I don't really go out, like I could go to an exhibit, but it's sometimes kind of hard to keep up with how things are going in yeah. Haiti. Today, everything could be fine. Tomorrow, and everything yeah. could be chaotic. So, okay, so you guys may not know this. I learned this through interviewing Tony and learning more about him, but 
Tony has a, had this kind of unbelievable experience in Haiti when Conan O'Brien <laughs> shows up in Haiti and yeah. he ends up on the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was so I'm guessing uh, after your appearance on Conan O'Brien, maybe your fame in Haiti uh, blew up a little bit. Someone told me something right before I came to LA and he was looking at me and then he was like, you don't know how famous you are. I was like, what do you mean? And then he was like, like the way you are, I was like, I don't think about fame. I'm just doing what I love and that's it, you know? Yes. And uh, after the Conan O'Brien show, I remember another friend came at me and then, and I said, hey, how are you doing? And then he looked at me, I was like, I thought you wouldn't say hi to me. I was like, why? Because you weren't Conan O'Brien. <laughs> I was like, but it doesn't change who I am. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. And of course it helps me, um, especially here, because in Haiti, if you say that I've been to Conan O'Brien, I was like, who? <laughs> you don't know, exactly. really, you know? Yeah. It's mostly here that when I say that, and people are like, oh. Sure. And then I was like, oh, okay, so it's really good. You know, well, so that was a big break for you in so many ways. Beth, is there a big break that you've had a, a moment in your career where you feel like, wow, that was a lucky break? Well, you know, I have a really short, very short, because I was a really a fashion designer before, yes. and then I quit. Well, you worked kids. with Bob Mackie, no? Yes, yes. Oh, I worked right. With Bob so Mackie. what was that was like? I mean, that's a kind of an interesting uh, well, you know, uh, career. Because I went to Otis for fashion design, yes. and I'm known for fashion mm -hmm. design, and I actually had a choice between Bob Mackie or Rampage. Everybody knows what Rampage is yes, like fast. Yes, young. yes, <laughs> yes. Melrose Avenue, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I'm just like, you know, if I wanted to make money, I would go with Rampage because then you kind of get into that, you know, circle where you start getting connected and you know people and you work with your upper ladder. Or I could be in a really interesting place. Yeah. And that's so why I, I chose Bob Mackie. So it's an interesting place or douchebags? <laughs> no, no, no. Yo, know, he's a total doll. <laughs> Yeah. He's really, I mean, it's so hilarious when you first meet him, yeah. he wears like a plaid shirt over a t-shirt with jeans and Birkenstocks. And you're just like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, like, Emperor never has any clothes, right? Yeah. And he grew up in California. So I think, you know, yeah. the casual side is he was a fashion designer. Thank you. And he, and he styled Cher. He's known for oh, styling okay. Cher. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. Right. So. So cool. your background's fashion, mm -hmm. but your journey into art was something that came down the road a bit. Right. Well, you know what? My daughter's 20 now, and my son is turning 13. And I just said uh, about four years ago, I'm going to get my MFA, and I live really close to the art center. The art center was an amazing experience, but I'm just saying it was because it was close. You know, it was like very close. So, yeah, that was really my... I know I had the goods. I knew I had ideas. I knew... I could do it, mm -hmm. but I was kept butting my head against the wall, like trying to figure it out. And then when I was around other people of like minds, like all the time, like I had never read any theory. I had never done any of that. You know, all of a sudden we're really talking about it. And it's really like a, you're being really fearless because some of these people like you guys have been, you know, really working at art art for a long time. And I was just like, I just threw myself into the wolves and I was, every day I was like, you know, I would be crying in my room, <laughs> drinking wine in my studio. <laughs> like, yeah. like, you know, having studio visits with faculty, yeah. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta have a drink. But, you know, you know, I'd be crying, but then I just kept, I could, then I'd say, group, group and say, okay, what did, what's going on here? What did I learn from this? What am I doing? Yes. And then by the third year, you know, it was like, oh my God, I found something that yeah. I can really you know, pull from, and what's so crazy, it was like I was, I came back home. Right. Because when I started there, I guess they thought I was going to be the fashion person, mm -hmm. and I was really like, 
I want to explore and figure out what I want to do. I sure. want to learn some different processes. I want to figure it out. And then about midway, I just started sewing. I just, you know, I had started sewing and started knitting and started doing the things that, yeah. you know, came naturally to me, but in a different way, you know? Right. Your work is so beautiful, and you definitely see that there's a, a connection to the fashion world. There's a lot of skill inside of your work. Yeah. So during the process of Art Center, how much of unpacking and kind of disconnection did you have to go through yeah. in the fashion world in order to kind of unpack it and then get back into it right, and reassemble? Right. Oh, it was a total, total denial. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, a total denial, but also like, you know, there's like this uh, being a feminine artist, working in textiles, being in fashion. I mean, there's like a stereotype of kind of, and then I had to kind of, it, that was my problem. Mm. You know, the stereotype was my problem because it really wasn't there. Mm. And so I had to do, I worked in resin and I learned how to cast things and I looked at people that resonated with me, like Linda Bangless, mm. Issa Genskin, and uh, Sheila Hicks, and all those people. And I just, know Sheila Hicks. And just <laughs> yeah. the stockholder. And I was like, there's something here that resonates with me. Mm. And I just kept. Yeah, digging it. But I was total all the way away. Yeah. And then in the middle of the summer, after my first year, I started, I don't know, I made the really big pink dress with clear pockets all over it. And then I put toys in all the little pockets, Cute. all a little tiny mannequin. Cute. But it was like huge. It like filled my whole studio. <laughs> it was just like every kind of, and so that was like, I was like, oh, okay. I just feel okay. Good, right. I guess. That's right. kind of where you come to. Beautiful. Yeah. Rachel, was there a moment in your journey as an artist that was a breakthrough for you? I mean, there was no real like lightning in a bottle type moment. Sure. I mean, they'll have to add that in for the biofilm. <laughs> um, but I mean, for me, you I've are always... in Hollywood. Yeah, it could happen. <laughs> you can call me. But <laughs> for me, I've always been doing creative things. I actually went to a performing arts high school for ballet. I yes. thought that's what was going to happen. That ended up not happening, and I started working in art because my parents ended up moving when I was in high school. So mm -hmm. I did two years at the Ballet Conservatory. I'm like, this is what's happening. Mm -hmm. Moved, did end up finding like a dance studio, moving into that. So I started taking art classes in high school, and I just really kind of took to it. And the professor at the time was very supportive, and she's like, you know, you should really consider doing this professionally. Like you have a good hand, and I just really enjoyed it. So. I went, I applied to art school, I got into all the schools I wanted to get into, and so I was lucky to be able to pursue that. And it's been, you know, a huge love affair that's cost me, you know, financially, but yeah. <laughs> as all good romances do, but yeah, and I've been really lucky. It's something I really love. I do it every day, and I love to consume it on every level. Like, I go to a show or see new films, or I try and do that every day. My friends are all artists, so you always have this, I'm lucky to have that support and people you can talk ideas with and who understand where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, when you talk about art with people who are in the creative field, they just, like, well, I don't get it. Why don't you just, like, charge $4 million for a painting and never paint again? It's like, that's not how it works. And, like, yeah. <laughs> or just sell work to a rock star. Well, what are some <laughs> of the common pain points and struggles that you and your colleagues, your other artist friends, you talk about? I mean, do the struggles, are there common struggles or are they very unique? Oh, for unique? sure. Yeah. And I would imagine, like, it's probably the same in any creative industry. I don't know actors or singers, but I imagine it's kind of similar. Mm -hmm. How to stand out and, you know, uh, working with certain galleries and, you know, getting your work noticed strategies for social media. I know that was a huge part of the Not Real Art mm -hmm. conference, which was great. You know, also copywriting is a huge thing, too, because I've had multiple friends, and myself included, who 
you know, all of a sudden your friends are saying something on Instagram like, isn't that your painting? And it's all of a sudden it's on a streetwear brand and they use your art on everything. And all yep. of a sudden like, okay, well, what do I do? I can't, you know, I can't afford a lawyer. Are you kidding? Right. So it's like kind of figuring out how to combat that and, you know, answering emails is something always like, oh my God, I have like 60 emails. But <laughs> Well, you said earlier, right, that you're sort of surprised at how much writing you're doing as yeah. an artist. And that also is, you know, kind of a pain point, I bet, right? If you're not used to writing, sure. suddenly. Yeah, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it's like, or just like, I think sometimes we were talking actually about artist statements the other day and my friends Jillian and Kristen, they have a show at Corey Helford and they're doing this whole show about flowers and floriography, I believe it's called, but like each flower has a different meaning, especially in the Victorian times. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, it's interesting, you know, it's like once I, we were talking about how when you finish the body of work, all of a sudden it kind of coalesces mm -hmm. and it's much easier to kind of write about it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you kind of have to step away from the work to write about it because we're so close to it as the person yes. who makes it. Yes. So you have mm -hmm. to be able to kind of think of it third person. Yes. And another thing about writing is you talked about kind of tooting your own horn and it's true. It's very difficult because you don't want to be like Grant Winner, Rachel O'Donnell is from Texas and blah, 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 blah. You know, and that just sounds like I'm being an asshole. <laughs> but you have to kind of, I tell myself, I'm writing about somebody else. It's like if I had a job right. and like I'm writing about Sally Smith and we're trying to get her a job and like you have to be able to write like that and it's hard i mean i think for me the best way to learn is when i go to these artist shows read their artist statements and like yeah. you know yeah it's good to hear read other statements <laughs> to kind of see what voices they choose right. and what, what you works. connect yeah. with yeah i'd love to ask you about your work since you do so much writing about it yeah art shares had the pleasure of hanging you yeah. twice now or is not real art your second not real or the second okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. so i notice in your work you do a lot of figurative mm -hmm. but it's like distorted or dystopian figurative yeah almost like a melting right. like what is it destructing fashion is it destructing beauty like what are you doing with your figurative work well, kind of works it's definitely kind of a deconstructive thing about the feminine and you were talking about you know seminar and the way that's perceived and I definitely make that a focal point of my work yeah. because I think a lot of you know serious work like Art Basel or what have you it's very dark very gray very masculine so I really try to utilize those tools those colors because I think you know as an artist we all like to rebel and I think it's important to shine light on that other visual perspective mm -hmm. and especially with my figures I mean, a lot of it I one of the pieces that's gonna be at not real art is a self-portrait I painted myself in what would be archetyped as, you know, trailer trash. I have Coke can curls and I have, you know, a cheetah print Walmart dress, cigarette. Specific to Walmart, I love that. It was, it is <laughs> not <laughs> a picture. There's a lot of research. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> not that much because I'm from Texas. So I think a lot of it's kind of deconstructing that. And I think what's interesting about figurative work and mm -hmm. is that a lot of female portraits are done by males, mm -hmm. which is, or, you know, male identifying, but a lot of that, it kind of doesn't have as much nuance because as a woman who creates, you know, figurative portraits of women, women, you have a little more, a little bit layered view and you have a little bit more breath instead of it just being a static subject, you can kind of breathe more life into it, or at least that's what I try to do with my figures. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the time it's kind of investigating, you know, what is this monolith? Cause I think, especially that series right now, we're all kind of wondering what does it mean to be American? What does that mean for me? How do I fit into that imagery? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of those images are kind of exploring the universality of that and the differences and where things kind of mm -hmm. intersect. 
And I think for me, figures have always been more interesting. I would love to challenge myself to do landscape, especially after I just came back from Massachusetts, because <laughs> that's so out of my league. But I think people are interesting. So that's kind of what I gravitate yeah. to. Edmund, you are going to start doing more landscaping. Yeah. And you're, yeah. you're, yeah, you're <laughs> my inspiration. Yeah. I know, I love it. Your work is very abstract, but uh -huh. yet you kind of have this like 80s feel to you with your geometric shapes yeah. that you throw on the canvas. Uh -huh. So how do you think your abstract is going to feed into the plain air? Are you going to keep that same 80s aesthetic? Well, I think a lot of my work, it comes from my upbringing. I was born in the Philippines and then I was raised here. And so what happened was there's always like this push and pull in regards to my culture and then the culture, the Filipino culture and the American culture. And so like, I feel like a lot of my work resembles that because like there's this craziness, which is the abstract side. It's mm -hmm. kind of like Philippines, it brings that out of me. Mm -hmm. And then the more 80s or like the more figuratives that I'm doing. Yeah relates to like me being here and learning here and what I've experienced here. So more structure um, here. Yeah, you needed yeah, more lines here. Correct. Interesting. That's basically it. My work, a lot of it deals with like the political sense. Like right now, the one painting I have that's gonna be here, it, it's a painting of the extrajudicial killings in, in the Philippines with the president. Mm. So it kind of has that relationship to that, but it also represents my uncle who was gunned down in the Philippines uh, last that. year. Oh. Yeah. yeah, and that kind of like inspired me to on that painting. Was that political or was that in the streets or what? He was actually running for like a political position as a mayor in the Philippines. Wow. And then the opposition, I guess they, they didn't get along. And so they, he was out jogging in the morning and then just, just happened like that. I'm so yeah. sorry to hear that. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure yeah. that's impacted and influenced your work. I can't wait to see yeah. that, that yeah. piece. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, wow, crazy. Well, speaking of political, it's kind of a great transition to your work. <laughs> your work is on the outset, like the first initial reaction. It's playful, it's colorful, it's exciting, there's movement. And as you get closer, you realize that there are no people in any of your paintings. It's their clothing. They're kind of like holograms or ghosts of themselves. And then you see what they're doing. And then it just, the layers are so, so deep in your work. Can you talk to me about the absence of people in your work? Well, you can interpret it in different ways. And um, I always say that um, I didn't put any skin tone in these people because a lot of times, especially in Haiti, like even a guy, like, uh, black guy like me, I'm light skinned, but um, it's like when somebody's darker skinned than you, they already put you in, in a category of this mm -hmm. in the society. Mm -hmm. So like even between us, there's racism. It wouldn't be better if you can look at the other person without looking at their skin color. If you notice in the paintings too, they have pots in their head. Mm -hmm. I always say like you can find a pot wherever you go in the world and the pot is there to nourish your body but they don't have any body. So I'm always reminding people that even if you don't see something doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Love for example, yeah. you don't see it. And I always think that you can nourish your body, but you have to remember, I mean, that you have a spirit or a soul and you have to nourish it too. And it goes with how you get along with people, the vibe that you create around you, to be kind, you know. Certain things that, like I said, you don't see them, but they exist. Like uh, we are here together talking and there's a good vibe, you know, it's a great, but you don't see that. Yeah. But you can feel it. Yeah. 
So, like you said, it's really deep, deeper than what you see um, on the painting because I don't want to show the skin. And but I'm always a kid inside of me, and I always say that I wanna, with my art, I wanna uplift people. I wanna, when you look at the painting, at least you you feel a joy and love. You know. I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, no, thank you. Well, that was fact, beautiful. That is actually a beautiful way of wrapping up our show today. Like, that's a, a wonderful notion. Thank so thank you guys yeah. for sitting down with Cheyenne and I yeah. to talk about receiving the Not Real Art grant. And uh, will you promise to come back? in the future and because you're part of the not real art family now ah. right you know and family might be the other f word but you know we like, like to put the fun in dysfunction so um, you know please come back and uh, we look forward to seeing you guys on saturday night at the not real yes. art That's exhibition awesome. yeah. Yeah. all right yeah. we look forward to hanging it it's gonna be so exciting guys. Yeah. hey there thanks for tuning in please be sure to like this episode and share it with your friends on social and if you haven't already done so please be sure to press subscribe and follow us on IG at Not Real Art Official. We appreciate the support. Sourdough, out.